0: Our topic for today is, where did the Jewish people come from? Where are we from? How did we get here? We came from Brooklyn. Before, the Lower East Side might be even more accurate. And I should mention, since we're in the comedy stage already, um, that according to the Forward article someone just sent me, The uh, reason why Jews started eating Chinese is because on the Lower East Side, we were right next to Chinatown. And so we got along very well with the Chinese. (laughs) So before we begin the question, before we talk about where we came from, we need to know how we started. Now, today our people are known as Jews or the Jewish people. In Hebrew, that is Yehudim. Yehudim are Jews. In Yiddish, we say Yidden. Yiddish means Jewish, essentially, Um, and so we call our people in Yiddish Yidden, or Yehudim is Hebrew. Jews is just a anglicized way of saying the same word. So, while that's the commonly used name for our people, we call ourselves the Jews, the Jewish people. Um, Yehudim. That's not actually our official name. That's not the official name. The official name of the Jewish people, of course, is Yisrael. Israel. And indeed, that's the name that we use in our prayers. We always call ourselves Israel. Um, our people Israel. In our books. Even in the laws. In the Jewish laws. we will sp- always speak about a Yisrael a Jew, but it will always be, be, be spoken of as Yisrael. Israel, Israel, because that's, that's our official name. The Yehudim Jews is not the official name, but it is used and it's actually more, much more commonly used in regular speak. So the same as the place, Israel? Called... But what today we call Israel is really Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel. Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, but we are Yisrael. We are Israel. May, yes. Um, to clarify, can, you, can you spell it? Is it with a Y? Yisrael. Yes. Yisrael with a Y. That's the Hebrew way to say it. In English, you would say the anglicized way of saying it is Israel. Israel. Right. Israel. We are the. We are Israel. That's who we are. Yes. So I think. So I think you've got to go back. The word came from I'm going to get told that okay. uh, one at a time. Okay. But before we get to where the, where the word Israel came from, where did Yehudim come from? Or where did the Jews come from? So we already called Yehudim or Jews in scripture. In some of the later books of scripture, we're called Jews. Um, such as in the book of Ezra, or in the book of um, or in the book of Esther, some of the later books of, sc- of scripture call us Yehudim, Jews, and this begins from the period of our Babylonian exile, which we date to 421 BC. So, starting this is going back over 1,400 years. And 421 BC, that's the date of the destruction of the first temple and the beginning of our Babylonian exile. And around this period, we began to be called in Babylon. And then later, as we moved, we were within the Babylonian Empire and then later in the Persian Empire, later among Greeks, we were called Yehudim or Jews. Where did that name come from? The Midrash suggests two possibilities and both um, Make sense historically. One is that it's an Aramaic name for the people of Yehuda or Yehuda as it was called in Aramaic. Aramaic was the language of the Babylonian Empire which was the country that we had come from. Essentially what happened was after the death of King Solomon um, who was David's son The kingdom of Israel, and this is going back to the 800s BCE, more than 1800 years ago. After the death of King Solomon, the kings, the kingdom of Israel split into two kingdoms. There was a northern kingdom called the kingdom of uh, called the Kingdom of Israel, which included ten tribes, and there was a southern kingdom led by the House of David called the Kingdom of Yehuda, which was essentially the tribe of Judah and a very minor tribe called the tribe of Benjamin. So we had these two tribes um, that were called Yehuda, the Southern Kingdom. Ten tribes were the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel. Israel remained split for over two hundred years. The land of Israel remained split into the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah, Yehuda, for two hundred years. Were there, still Levites? there were Levites. They were split, and it appears that people were a general split, but. Ten tribes, the northern kingdom was known as the kingdom of Israel, the southern kingdom was the kingdom of Judah, the vast majority of the people were from the tribe of Yehudah, from the tribe of Judah. Later, the Assyrians, and this is in the 600s BCE, the Assyrians came and captured northern Israel over a couple stages and exiled the tribes that lived in northern Israel. They exiled them to, presumably to Mesopotamia. We once did a class of what happened to the 10 lost tribes. Then the Assyrian king attempted, Sanherib attempted to attack Jerusalem. And in one of the greatest miracles in history, um, the armies of Sanherib, 185,000 of them, fell at the gates of Jerusalem. And so... King Chizkiau, King Hezekiah expanded his kingdom. After that, over he recaptured all of northern Israel, and he now expanded his kingdom to the entire original Israel. And so now all of Israel became the kingdom of Judah. So now what had been the kingdom of Israel was now the kingdom of Yehuda, Judah. Some years later, Judah fell first to the Egyptians, then to the Babylonians as a Babylonian when the Babylonians captured it it was a state or the kingdom of Judah of Yehuda the people that came from the kingdom of Judah were then called Yehudim Yehudim Jews meaning from Yehuda from Judah so that's where the name one possibility of where the name why we were called Yehudim in Babylon Another explanation, another possibility the Midrash suggests, and also is very plausible historically, is that Yehudim comes from the word, le- word lehodot, to admit or to believe. We were essentially called believers, and that was a term for monotheists. We know the Romans called us by a similar name theists, um, because uh, the Greeks, sorry, it's Greek, um, because we were believers, believers in one God. Um, so so believers is also another. They, we were they were um, they were pagans. We were believers in a single God. So it could be they called us Yehuda. It was an Aramaic term. Aramaic is very similar to Hebrew from the word lehodot to believe that we were believers, believers in one God. Anyway, both are plausible. Regardless, around that point, about four in the four hundreds BCE, um, we became. Uh, We became known as Jews, but our official title remains Yisrael or remains Israel. We trace our roots back to the Jewish people who were exiled to Babylon. Before that, the ones who lived Israel, who lived in the land of Israel for over 800 years, um, who entered Israel the promised land with Joshua, the land of Israel, the promised land with Joshua in 1271 B.C. This is over 1,200 years ago. 22? Sorry? You said 1,200 B.C. Sorry, over 3,200 30, years ago. Thank you. Yes. We 2,000 years. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. And our... And those, ancestors, those people, we believe, were led out of Egypt. Our tradition is that they were led out of Egypt by Moses 40 years earlier in 1311 BCE, more than 3,300 years ago. When did we begin, begin as a nation? We essentially began as a nation the moment we left Egypt. The first time we were a separate Independent people, as a nation, a large nation, was when we left Egypt. Later, the prophet Ezekiel will call the moment of the Exodus the day of our national birthday. Or today they would call it our national day, our national independence day. The national day for the Jewish people was the moment that we left Egypt. Passover essentially celebrates our official day we began as a people. So our July 4th, some 3,000 years before 1776 is um, is on Passover. That is the anniversary of when we officially began as a people. The moment we left Egypt. At that time, we numbered six hundred thousand adult men. Which, if we include women and children, we were possibly one and a half million people. So we were a very large people, especially for those days. We were a very, very large people. Um, we haven't grown like other nations. We could be much, much larger today. We didn't grow like other nations, both due to assimilation over the years and to persecution. And due to both of them, we have not really grown. Um, We've grown a little bit. We number a couple times that. But we could be much, much, much larger today. We are not. But we are still around today. At the time of the Exodus, our people are called B'nai Yisrael. Children of Israel. And that's what we're called throughout the Torah. We're always called the B'nai Yisrael. Children of Israel. Using the term B'nai children of. As the kind of first word of a nation's title. Is very common in scripture. And it was presumably very common back then. Um, With time. Um, We dropped the word Bnei. We went from Bnei Yisrael, children of Israel, we became known as Yisrael, as Israel. Later throughout most of scripture post-Torah, the later books of scripture, um, we're generally referred to as just Yisrael without the Bnei. So we became, yes. just the B'nai was dropped, and uh, we see that with other nations too, we're originally called B'nai Amon, the children of Amon, later they just became known as Amon, and the same was within many other nations too. Yes, Anne? Um, how do you uh, tell the difference then, like, uh, Israelis, I mean, isn't that the, thing? are we Israelis? I mean, we are, our technical name is Yisrael, Israel, Israel. Um, yes. Israeli, I guess, it would be an English, an anglicized way of saying it. Yeah. Um, but we are Israel. We are a member of a... The way we usually refer to a specific and individual member of Israel or individual members, we always called them um, Ish Yisrael, a man of Israel. Yes, so is or a woman, yes. or the a woman trend, of Israel. The term Israel yeah. that I'm going to get to that. <laughs> so yes. That's Yes, yeah. so we usually use the term Israelite as opposed to Israeli. Um, it's, it's the same idea. Mm-hmm. A um, member of Israel, um, later the n- recently, sorry, the state of Israel, the country of Israel, decided to call themselves, understandably, by the same name, Israel, which gets confusing Then some people who are actually citizens of the country of Israel, um, while others are people of Israel, um, children of Israel, B'nai Yisrael. Um, but not actually citizens of that country. So you can explain why, why the northern kingdom called itself Israel? I didn't explain that. Israel was the original name of our people. They retained that name. The southern kingdom was mostly one tribe. So that tribe was Judah, Yehuda. And they acquired, and the reason they were known as Israel, why our people were known? We were known as Israel going back to the Exodus. Going back to the exodus from Egypt. And, and the reason? I'm going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> now, so where do we get the name Yisrael from? Or B'nai Israel? Where did that name come from? Where did the name Israel come from? So we got that name, as Roberta pointed out correctly, as the descendants of Jacob and his 12 sons, um, who Jacob was called by God Israel. He was given another name, which was very common um, back in the day, for people to have multiple names, not only among Jews, also in other cultures. Um, And Jacob was called by the name Israel, and so we became known as B'nai Yisrael, children of Israel, or the people of Israel, the descendants of Jacob, the descendants of Israel. So we are then, we are called B'nai Yisrael, going back as descendants of Jacob. We have a line going straight back to Jacob. Can we find out what tribe we came from? that's a very good question um, people often ask what tribe do we come from um, right people often ask that question what tribe we come from the short answer the short answer is that after the ten tribes were exiled and Judah became that was the dominant tribe in the kingdom of Judah, and Judah then extended its reign to all of Israel, all of Israel became known as Judah, and we lost our tribal identity, most likely most surviving Jews were from the tribe of Judah, so we are most likely from the tribe of Judah, but again, we don't know um, certainly what tribe we are from, I don't know much about DNA um, analysis, my understanding though is that it's not all that accurate. And um, at least when doing history, where people come from, and we don't really have a way to do that, um, we don't, we don't, we don't have the ability to do that. They've uh, found a Cohen gene. Uh, we don't really know through um, the so DNA's; it's work. not that accurate, mm-hmm. as far as I understand. I'm not a, a Cohen. G- have a different story. What? Talk, so, to Talk to a Cohen. will probably have a different story. What we do know, and they've done a lot of studies on Jewish DNA, and um, Yeshiva University has this huge study that's been going um, on DNA for more than a decade, on Jewish DNA for more than a decade, and they've studied many, many Jews. We do know that all Jews have very, very, very similar DNA, more so than almost any other people. Um, we're very close and even Jews that came from very, very distant lands and Sephardic Jews and Ashkenazic Jews have closer DNA to each other than they do to the neighbors whom we externally might look like. In other words, Ashkenazic Jews might look more like um, Europeans and Sephardic Jews might look more Middle Eastern but a DNA analysis shows we're much closer to each other than we are to our neighbors. Sometimes looks can be deceiving. but This is outside of the The relevant topic. no, wasn't the first time. No. No. Oh, I'm going to get to that too. Okay, Abram. Okay, so we are then we are descendants, direct descendants, and we have had converts or people that have come into our people. But as a whole, our people—they were always individuals in small numbers. As a whole, our people are therefore direct descendants from Jacob. Israel. Hence, B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel. That's why our official name is Yisrael, Israel. That is still our official name today. That's what we call ourselves. Um, we are known also as Jews or Yehudim, which is a name that we became known by starting with the Babylonian exile 2400, over 2400 years ago. So we are descendants then of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Their story, what happened to them, is told at length in the Torah, in the book of Genesis. And um, we um, we have told that story over the last 12, 10 weeks, as we told the story of Genesis every week on Sunday mornings. Um, Jacob, of course, was the son in continuation of a tradition of monotheism that his father Isaac had continued from his father Abraham. Where did Abraham come from? Where did Abraham come from? (laughs) Or. He came from Or. Very good. Okay. So before I answer that question, I want to make another. You are. Before I make, before I answer that question, I want to make another point. While in Egypt, throughout our slavery and throughout the Exodus, throughout the story in this week and next week's Torah readings, our people are not referred to as B'nai Yisrael. We are only called that By God to Moses or by Moses or later throughout the Torah. But when Moses speaks to Pharaoh, when Pharaoh refers to our people, we are always when Pharaoh's daughter sees Moses, she says as a baby, she says he is an Ivry, a Hebrew. He's a Hebrew. We find this throughout when God, um, when Moses comes to Pharaoh, he says, Hashem, the God of the Hebrews. And we're always God, Pharaoh calls us Hebrews. And talking to Pharaoh and talking to Egyptians are always referred to as Hebrews. This goes back even earlier. Um, when Joseph comes down to Egypt, he's referred to as a Hebrew, a Hebrew slave. He's a slave, right? So he uh, originally, he's sold as a slave. And so he's, Joseph is called a Hebrew and his brothers are called Hebrews. And even earlier than that, Abraham in the land of Canaan, where he had lived, which was the land of Israel when before it became the land of Israel, the land of Canaan, is also because the Canaanites were the people that preceded us there. Abraham was called an Ivri as well. He's also referred to as an Ivri, and the language that they're speaking that Abraham and his children and his grandchildren and the people in Egypt are all speaking is the language of Ivri, or what we would call the anglicized way to say that is Hebrew. So they were all the Hebrews. The language they spoke is Hebrew. After the Exodus. We don't see the term Hebrew used at all. It's found in the rest of Scripture after the Exodus only twice. Twice we use the term Hebrew, but generally the use of the term that's presumably poetic. um, But generally, the term Hebrew um, for the language and for the people is not used anymore. The language, our language, our what the the language is generally referred to as Lashon Hakodesh the Holy Tongue, and the people are referred to as Yisrael. We only brought back the name Hebrew for the language recently. So does that mean that Abraham's father spoke Hebrew? Uh, Presumably the language had to have come from somewhere, right? If Abraham spoke Hebrew and his children said where did Abraham learn? Very good. That's our next point. Very good. So Abraham was then, we now know, our people, B'nai Yisrael, or Yisrael-Israel, um, also known as Jews for the last 2400 years, go back to Israel, also known as Jacob, um, who was a grandson of Abraham. And they, Abraham, was a re- and his grandchildren, were from the Hebrew tribe, and they were originally known as Hebrews. Or Ivrim, and they spoke the Hebrew language or the Ivri language. Where did they come from? Where did Abraham come from? Where did the Hebrew language come from? Where did it all come from? The Torah tells us very little about Abraham's background. However, our traditions, in other words, the written Torah tells us fairly, very little. However, our traditions, Midrash, tells us quite a lot about Abraham's background. In fact, we have a book called Sefer Hayashar, literally the Book of the Straight, which is a Midrash that discusses Abraham's background in very, very, very great detail. The Talmud discusses it. We have other Midrashim that discuss it. We have a very extensive tradition um, dating back 2,000 years and older about our um, background, about where we came from. But first, let me go back to the beginning. Let me go back to Noah. The Torah tells us in the story of Noah, Noah has three children. Noah's three children split into seventy nations, but three different groupings of nations. Noah's three children are Shem, Ham, and Yafet. And I intend still to do a class on exactly the seventy nations and where they ended up and how they evolved. Um, that's a subject for another class I don't want to get into great detail Shame Ham, and Yafet Shame's descendants um, Shame's descendants settle in include um, Aram which is modern day Syria Ashur which is, became Assyria um, which is in northern Iraq Elam which is in northeastern Iraq <coughs> Um, and a number of other different tribes that come from shame, they essentially uh, settled in what's called the Fertile Crescent, which is essentially a semi-circle going up from the um, Persian Gulf up the Euphrates and Tigris River into what's today northern Syria and eastern Turkey, and then going down through the Syrian mountains, going all the way down along the Mediterranean coast, down to Israel, that's called the Fertile Crescent, and that's where the descendants of Shem settled. The descendants of Cham settled in northern Africa, in, um, Lode, which is modern-day Libya, Egypt, um, Ethiopia, and Canaan, which was the kind of Canaan, which be- was where, which was what eventually became Israel. The descendants of Yafet are um, very much along what today. Um, uh, what today historians called Aryans, um, people that settled in the north in an arc going from Greece all the way through to India and including nations such as, um, including nations such as um, the Persians and um, other northern nations. So, um, so Abraham is a descendant of um, comes from shame, from the second of Noah's three sons. And Shem's um, descendants, as we said, settled in this area um, along the, the Tigris and Euphrates River, going up from the Persian Gulf all the way into Turkey and northern Syria, and then down along the Mediterranean coast. So Abraham, so one of Shem's grandchildren, great-grandchildren, his name is Aver. Aver. Aver is a great grandfather of Abraham. So the Midrash tells us that the term Ivri Hebrew meant descendant of Aver, descendant of Aver, Abraham's great grandfather. Abraham's great grandfather Aver, his descendants were Ivri. And so where did Well, I'll get to where they settled in a moment, but the uh, midrash then offers another source as to where the term "ivri" comes from. The other source of the term "ivri" could be "aver hanahar." "Aver" means the other side, the other side of the river. The other side of the river meaning north of the Euphrates River. The Euphrates River essentially goes starts in. Um, northern Syria and heads in a mountainous area today where the Kurds live where all the fighting has been um, what they call Kurdistan it's a mountainous area Um, that area in scripture is called Harare Kedem um, the um, mountains of Kedem and so that area mountainous area um, is where the Euphrates River begins and um, it kind of travels Mostly eastward, um, somewhat in a southern direction, till it um, washes out in the Persian Gulf, and spills out into the Persian Gulf. And so in northern Syria, the um, Abraham's ancestors, the Ivrim, settled north of the Euphrates River. So those that were north of the Euphrates River, the other side of the river, were called Ivrim. Now, presumably, Abraham's, that both are presumably true, and there seems to be some evidence, um, the people in the area north of the Euphrates River, the mountainous area in modern Syria, um, were called Ivrim. Now, the Torah actually tells us, at the end of Parshat Noach, that Abraham was actually born, not in northern Syria, but Abraham in Aver Hanar, north of the Euphrates River, but Abraham was actually born in the ancient Chaldean city called Ur. He was born in the city called Ur. Now, Ur is much, much further east, well down the Euphrates River. The ancient city of Ur, and he's called or, it's called Ur or Casti, Ur of the Castiab, which is Hebrew for Chaldeans. So, or Chaldeans, Chaldeans, right? Now so he's in Ur of the Chaldeans, that's where he's born, So, which is some distance from northern Syria, some distance southeast of where Abraham's family, the Ivrim, originated from. However, the Ramban, Rabbi Moshe ben Nachman, one of the classical commentaries, um, shows that a Close reading of Scripture makes it very clear that while Abraham was born in ur he wasn't from there. His fam- that was not his original homeland. His father wasn't from there. Rather, his father was actually from northern Syria. Later, as a young man, Abraham's family moves. He moves with his father and his brother, Nahor to Haran. Haran is indeed in northern Syria, north of the Euphrates River. And so he moves, indeed, later to northern Syria, to, to, to over the river. Um, and he had gone back, it appears, to what originally was his hometown, or at least the region where his ancestors came from. That term, they became known as Ivrim, presumably the language spoken by their family and by people in that region was Ivri, the Hebrew language. Um, and they continued. Later, Abraham is told by God to move to Canaan. Presumably, they, um, conti- they uh, con- presumably Abraham keeps the language alive in the land of um, Canaan. Continues speaking Hebrew. He's known in Canaan as an Ivri, as a Hebrew. Meanwhile, while Abraham Abraham at seventy five is told to leave his Land, Haran, in in northern Syria, and go to Canaan, in the beginning of the portion of Lech Lecha, in the beginning of Genesis. So Abraham is now living in Canaan, in Hebron, later in Beersheba, and he's known as an Ifri. Meanwhile, though, while Abraham and his son Isaac are living in northern Syria, in Haran, at the same time, the there appears to have been a big change in Abraham's hometown. Why? The area north of the Euphrates River gradually assimilates into the culture south of the Euphrates River. The area of Syria south of the Euphrates River, including Aleppo, Hamas, and Damascus, which are the three ancient cities of Syria, were all known as the land of Aram. Aram was another grandson of Shem. And there the, the were different Aramean states, but they were all. Aram, they were all Aramean. And Aramean was a similar language to Hebrew, but different. And however, by the time Abraham later sends Eliezer back um, to Haran to find a child, uh, a wife for his son Isaac. By the time he sends him back, the area north of the Euphrates River is already called Aram Naharaim. Aram between the rivers, Aram between the Tigris and the Euphrates. The Tigris is further north to the Euphrates. So the, the, the Aram north of the Euphrates river. So essentially what appears to have happened is during this period, the Ivrim gradually assimilated in, into the Arameans, adapted the Aramean language, lost the Hebrew language, and became essentially Arameans. To the point that many years later, Abraham's brother Nachar, his great-grandson Laban, later becomes Jacob's father-in-law. But Laban is called, Lavan is called Lavan Ha'arami, Lavan the Aramean. He's already known as an Aramean, though he's technically a Hebrew. He spoke Aramaic. And in fact, we actually have a record in the Torah of Lavan speaking Aramaic to Jacob. He spoke in Aramaic. So, the other, the rest of the Abraham's family who remained in the Ivory land north of the Euphrates River actually dropped the Ivory language and culture and became Arameans while Abraham retained it in the land of Israel and it essentially became a distinctive, um, language, a distinctive culture just associated with Abraham and his family. Presumably at this time there were still others. Presumably it was still a widely known language because when Joseph comes to Egypt, he's called an Ivri, and... Um, Joseph's family are called Ivrim, and Joseph even manages to have when his brothers come down to Egypt, and he's pretending to be an Egyptian. He has a translator who translates from them them speaking to him, and they're speaking in Ivri. So presumably Ivri was still a well known, widely used language at the time. But the original Ivrim had already dropped their Ivri tongue and dropped their Ivri identity. We remained the Ivrim. Where did a- how did Abraham get to? Um, how did Abraham get to Orkastim, and how did he get back to Haran? So we have a number of midrashim about Abraham's background, and what we're told is that um, at a certain point, the Torah appear- tells us that there was a fellow called Nimrod. Nimrod was actually not a Semitic at all. Nimrod was a grandson of Ham, and he somehow ended up in Babylon where he became a, um, in Mesopotamia, where he became modern-day Iraq, where he became a king, and people came from all over to, um, to, uh, f- to this kingdom or this empire that Nimrod had built. And so it appears at that point, Abraham's father Terach um, joined Nimrod and um, according to the Midrash, he was a minister in Nimrod's um, empire. And so um, Terach, like Nimrod, was an idolater. Um, The Midrash tells us that Abraham's ancestors were idolaters. His parents, his grandparents were all idolaters. Um, Terach was an idolater. Abraham was born to an idolatrous family. And in fact, this is something that we don't forget our ancestry, our um, idolatrous ancestry. And in the Haggadah, When we tell the story of the Exodus at the Seder, we start the story by remembering how Terach was an idolater. Our ancestor Terach was an idolater. It actually says so explicitly in the book of Joshua. Um, He was an idolater, and that's where we came from. Abraham, according to our tradition, lived among idolaters as a very young man rejected idolatry. And he came to recognition in a monotheistic absolute God that cannot be seen, has no form or figure. Um, When he was a young man, he came to this recognition. And he recognized God himself. And though he was not the first person to believe in God, because he was preceded by Noah, and according to our tradition, and Noah's children, and according to our tradition, even um, Abraham's great-grandfather, Aver, was a monotheist, well, there were other monotheists, and later the Torah tells us, in the land of Canaan, he meets a monotheist, Malkit who's the king of Shalem, ancient Jerusalem. So there were other monotheists. Abraham did not believe in monotheism because that's what his parents told him, but he figured it out on his own. So he was the first one to come up with, rational arguments for monotheism, namely the first cause argument. In other words, he came to the realization that everything needs to have a source. It needs to be created by something. What created the first thing? The first thing must be something that always existed, was never created. And that thing that always existed cannot have any detail because who would have given it that detail or that form? And so he came to the basic argument for monotheism all on his own. He then... And began a movement to promote idolatry in his land of Orr, where he had, where his father lived. He began to promote idolatry, um, Not to, promote idolatry. to promote, sorry, monotheism. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank he, began Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, he began to promote monotheism. Um, Thank you. And he began to try to put an end to idolatry in the idolatrous land that he lived and promote monotheism, promote God in the land where he was in Orr. And according to the Medrash, he was in auric custom. He was thrown into a furnace for, um, he was thrown into a furnace, um, for, um, promoting his monotheistic beliefs. And he miraculously survived that furnace. He miraculously survived it. And, um, and then after that, he was forced to leave Or, and he went back with his father to Haran. He went with his father and his brother Nahor. They went back to Haran, which was in northern Syria, where, as we said, their family had, origina- had originated from. Um, and we actually have... The, now, this Torah does not tell us this story at all. Um, it doesn't give us any details of this story. It does allude to this story by mentioning that God had saved Abraham from ur it doesn't tell us how he was saved or what he was saved from. But it does say later in the Torah he was saved from Orkastim. And he goes back to Haran. But as we said earlier, according to our... According to... Our traditions, Abraham's family originated in Haran over the north of the Euphrates River in northern Syria. And then as we said, Isaac and Jacob continued his legacy. Um, They were known in Canaan as Hebrews. Jacob goes down to Egypt where he's again known as Hebrews. The original Hebrews are long assimilated and gone. They are essentially the remnants of what had been the Hebrew people. They're enslaved. They come out of Egypt. Now they're no longer no, no longer known as Hebrews, which was their original tribe they had come from and no longer existent. They now become known as B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel. So... We always remember our ancestors. It's important to know where we come from. People often tell me it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what their ancestry is. It doesn't matter where you come from. We believe that identity is important. No Western progressive beliefs reject any form of self-identity. Some of For self-identity, some are against. We believe identity is important. It's very important for a person to have a strong sense of identity. And people without a strong sense of identity are missing it. And they seek identity in other things. Maybe in politics, maybe in sports, they seek identity in other things. We people need a strong sense of identity. It's important to have a positive sense of identity. We Jews have a very strong sense of identity because we are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, and Leah, our fathers and our mothers. We are their descendants. We, are descent, we, are, we have very strong, long history. We, um, we remember our strong identity. We also remember our idolatrous beginnings, as I mentioned. Terach, um, Abraham's father, who Joshua says was an idolater. Nachar, Abraham's brother, Betuel, the father of Rebekah. Laban, the father of Rachel and Leah. We remember our idolatrous ancestry. And in fact, we, we mention it at the Seder. We mention where we, our humble beginnings, where we started. Um, but we're proud of where we came from. We're proud of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But we're not only... It goes back further. We don't only remember Abraham's ancestry, where Abraham came from. Shame, the Hebrews... Um, We don't only remember them for the great saints that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and Leah all were. But we also remember the ancestry further for a very important thing. The Torah tells us when Abraham was looking for a wife for his son Yitzchak, he tells his servant, do not go to, do not take, find a wife from the people of Canaan, from the locals of the land. But rather, I want you to go back to my family, back to Haran, and I want you to take a relative of mine as a wife for my son Isaac. Why did Jacob insist that his, so Abraham sorry, insist that his son Isaac Yitzhak, not marry a local girl but marry a relative so there was no Jewish at the time. They were, the Jewish didn't exist. Jewish only began 2400 years ago. And Israel didn't even exist yet. right? Yisrael, Jacob didn't exist yet. Right? They were Hebrews. But there was no Jewish people. There was no covenant yet. There was nothing. Well, you can marry someone from a different tribe. Because wasn't religious, you, want, you don't want to marry someone from a different religion, because then you'll clash over religious. But you can marry someone with a different identity. Doesn't that mean they spoke the same language? Well, it would help they spoke the same language. We would hope that after living for long enough in Canaan, they spoke Canaanite as well. They would have the same history, the same blood, but we actually have a different reason. When we, and we see this, this from later in the story. Eliezer comes to Haran, and he says, God, let's do a deal over here. I'm going to sit by the well. And the girl who comes, and I ask her, Please, I'm thirsty. Can you give me water from the well to drink? And she says, not only will I give you water to drink, I will feed your camels as well. I know that's the right girl for Isaac. That's what he says. How does he know that's the right girl for Isaac? The key is that she's kind. That she's kind. The Talmud tells us that the key traits of Jews are, we have these natural inbuilt traits we are kind and we are merciful. And this trait is nothing to do with, with believing in monotheism. In fact, Rebekah's father, Betuel, was an idolater. Rachel and Leah's father, Laban, was, a, was an idolater. They were idolaters. They did not believe in God. They nice, but they wanted, Jacob also was told, marry someone from the family. They were nice, kind People. And the local Canaanites were not kind. Abraham says, I want someone who's kind, who's going to give the kind genes to my grandchildren. Because they, our people, must always remain kind. Yes, Stephen? But their parents and their brother and their siblings, none of those people are kind. So you, you can't talk about the kind genes. The fact is uh, <laughs> that sure maybe, maybe, maybe it skips they, some they're, people. They're now, this theme, this theme, this theme that kindness and mercy have always been key Jewish traits is very important to the point that the Talmud says, if you meet a Jew who is cruel and not kind, not merciful, you've got to start wondering if they're really, what their background is. You should start questioning. There's something wrong because Jews naturally are kind and merciful. So much so that there was a tribe of Canaanites in the days of Joshua that said we want to adopt they tricked Joshua. They pretend they were from far away, they weren't Canaanites, but they said we want to adopt Judaism. We want to join your people and uh, we want to convert. And so they converted and they were known as the Givonim. And they lived in Israel for many, 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 many years. They were known as Givonim. They were Jewish, kept all the rules, kept the, they were, they were Jews. Many years later, many, many years later, over 400 years later, in the days of King David, the Givonim still kind of, as all all of the Jewish people were still split by tribe, the Givonim also were kind of their own minor tribe in Israel. And the many years later, the Givonim were upset at King Saul. King Saul had hurt some of them. And they come to David and they say, we're upset at King Saul. King Saul was dead. We want to kill some of his grandchildren and grandchildren in revenge for what Saul had done to us. David is so horrified. You would kill a child, an innocent child, a grandchild? Because of what their father or grandfather did to you. Jacob is so horrified. Sorry David. Is so horrified by their request. David has the Sanhedrin. The supreme Jewish council. That was in charge of all religious affairs. Declare the givonim. are one. No Jew should ever marry a givoni. They do not possess the Jewish kind trait. They are not kind. And indeed from then on. And they were still around. Um, In the second temple period, they were then known as Natinim. They were still around and Jews were not allowed to marry them because they did not have the kind Jewish trait. Jews are naturally kind. Perhaps what's most amazing from this story is that we are here today, almost 4,000 years after Abraham, and we can still trace our history back to Abraham. There is almost no people on earth that go back that far. Remember, sure. California wasn't here 200 years ago. <laughs> no people were in America 1,000 years ago. There were no cities we in Europe... Natives, we natives were here 2,000 years ago. We don't, we don't know that. Well, we don't. Know well. We don't. Maybe. I not specifically, but I believe so. There were no cities in Europe... 1,500 years ago, Benjamin D. Israeli, the um, mid-19th century British prime minister who had converted to Christianity, was once in Parliament. Um, in the Parliament, they're not very nice. Um, in Parliament, he, uh, he was once called a dirty Jew by one of the other parliamentarians. That was and back in 18- this was in the 1850s. And he famously said, or at least he's supposed to have said, that when this gentleman's ancestors were swinging from trees, mine was serving in Solomon's temple. <laughs> uh. Which is true, because there was England at least was part of the British Empire. But two and a half thousand years ago, there was no Britain. It didn't exist. There was no one there. It was empty. Maybe there were a few nomadic tribes there. So we, our people, are 4,000 years old. And it's not just we have the same religion or the same history as people 4,000 years ago. We are direct descendants of those people who, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, of their children, of the people who left Egypt, of the people who came into into Israel with with Joshua. We are direct descendants. We are the same people that were here 4,000 years ago. Not only that... Not only do we claim we were the same people here 4,000 years ago. I think the Chinese also, they were in one place. They did not move around like we do. They're also 4,000 years old. But not only that, we know everything that happened to us in the last 4,000 years. Name any decade in the last 4,000 years. And we could tell you major events that happened in that decade. The people who, the Jewish leaders who lived then, um, the state of the Jewish people then, where we lived how we live, we have everything recorded in, the, in great detail, going through decade after decade, century after century for 4,000 years. Today, anti-Semites try to claim that we're not the originals, that we're from other groups, we're, um, the famous one is um, the Khuzars, but we actually know we have documented records going back generations after generation, after generation, where we we were lived here. Where do we get here from? We were there beforehand. We were there beforehand. We were in Egypt. We were in Israel. We were in Babylon. We were back in Israel. We were back in Babylon. We were in Spain. We were in Western Europe. We were in Eastern Europe. We know every place where we were, at what time, what our communities looked like, who our leaders were, what our uh, we, we know d- 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 down to very great detail, very often, what we actually wore and how we lived. We know great detail of exactly who we were, our ancestors, going back 4,000 years. So each one of us are essentially a link in the richest chain of tradition on earth. Except because they all kept diaries. It's because they were all literate. We were literate. We were literate. We studied Torah. We studied Torah. We had leaders who wrote books. We had leaders who taught, we had leaders, we discussed relevant laws, many of which, we also wrote books of history, but we discussed relevant laws, many of which were relevant to know how you you learn from that, how we live. So yes, we have details of all of our history going back 4,000 years. We then are each a link in the richest chain of tradition on earth. And so therefore, that gives us each a very, very strong responsibility to ensure that we don't break the link in that chain. We have to make sure the link in that chain is not broken and it continues the next generation and the next generation and the next generation um, to ensure we have 4,000 years of a very rich, detailed tradition on our heads going all the way back to our, our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Don't stop, man. I got a question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna stop.